plan for an updated COVID-19 booster programme is due to publish this week in an effort to ensure one and a half million people have received a third COVID-19 jab by Christmas. Thousands were given COVID-19 booster shots at walk-in HSE vaccination clinics across the country over the weekend. And this week, vaccinations are also due to arrive here in Ireland for use in children aged between 5 and 11. Let's talk now to Dr Lorraine Nolan, who's Chief Executive of the Health Products Regulatory Authority, which is involved in the licensing of vaccines and other medicines in this country. A very good afternoon to you, Dr Nolan. Welcome once again um, to the programme. Perhaps we can begin with this whole question around the booster shots and what's known specifically about their effectiveness against this new Omicron variant. Okay, good afternoon, Brian. Um, I guess the first thing to say about Omicron is that it is a relatively new development and every day we are learning more in relation to this. So I think at the moment when we look at kind of what this means in terms of vaccine effectiveness and protection um, that they provide to us against Omicron, it is actually too early to say. Um, Certainly we know Omicron is a more transmissible um, form of COVID and there are some early indications that it produces um, a less severe form of disease. But again, we need to look at the full spectrum of that. You know, what does the disease from Omicron look like in older populations and also those that, that are um, immunocompromised? So the companies, and we will have heard, you know, announcements from the major vaccine manufacturers over the past week are, you know, with various announcements in relation to the laboratory evaluations they are conducting on their vaccines and the impact of Omicron. And certainly, I would say the preliminary indications from what are called neutralization studies, it is not surprising that they are indicating that certainly in terms of two doses of the current vaccines, they they are less effective in neutralizing the, the Omicron variant. But we've also seen the encouraging news last week as well that a third dose may be, may be effective. It is still too early to say whether mm. that is the case or not. And it's not just all about those laboratory studies. We also have to see uh, in terms of those people in the real world that are becoming infected with Omicron, um, you know, what that looks like in terms of their vaccination status or indeed whether they have received boosters uh, as well. And so because, we have a lot to learn over the next number of weeks. But because that real world data, if you like, is, is, going to st- is continuing to come in, does that mean that many of these questions can be answered in weeks or months rather than even over a longer time period. Uh, Absolutely. And I think, you know, we really are very rapidly gathering evidence in real time in relation to this, Brian. And I think from a regulatory perspective, the key thing here is being prepared and being preferred if, and I do say if, that eventuality should come, that we maybe do need new vaccines against the variant for Omicron. And we will certainly know more about that in the next number of weeks. Going back as far as February of this year, um, regulators, the EMA, in conjunction with regulators across the globe, has agreed a framework in which new um, vaccines against variants um, could be developed quickly. And that framework really doesn't involve going back to conduct these large-scale efficacy trials. It is possible to do this in a safe but accelerated way where some clinical studies are performed to examine the immunogenicity, so the antibody response Mm -hmm. produced by the new vaccines, 
comparing that back to the parent vaccine and then extrapolating from that or bridging from that to determine what the, the efficacy is. So I think the key point is, you know, while the companies are preparing, they are looking at the evidence that they are generating in the studies they're conducting. They're also looking at the requirements in terms of producing vaccines against a new strain. Regulators are also working closely with those companies and they are also working with each other across the, uh, the globe to, to you know, determine what the specific needs in relation to, to Omicron are. Mm. Ultimately, though, I have to say that the decision on if new vaccines are required against Omicron, it's not one that will be made by regulators alone. It's made by public health officials mm. in conjunction with the WHO and regulators. What about this six or in some cases five month interval between your, your second vaccine dose uh, and and the booster booster now we're we're told we're in a race against time against omicron should that be brought maybe closer to 3 months after the second vaccine well, I guess, again, the regulatory position is that, you know, from the point of view of boosterings, that a booster uh, is recommended for those from the age of 18 years up and after a period of six months. But of course, we'll have all seen the announcements in the UK in relation to bringing forward that interval mm. uh, um, to three months. And I guess what is happening in the UK, again, it's not a regulatory decision, so it wouldn't be a decision an agency like the HPRA would be involved in mm. making. That really is, that decision has come in response to what is the emerging epidemiological situation in in the UK in relation to Omicron. But, I mean, from a regulatory viewpoint, and the EMA have stated this publicly as well too in their press conference last week, that the administration of boosters in the 18 years and up at three months can be supported from both an efficacy and also a safety viewpoint. And what's your own view about moving down through the age cohorts in terms of boosters? At the moment, we're only administering it to the over 50s. The next stage will be those people in in their 40s, aside from those who have an underlying condition. Um, I mean, is there any reason why there shouldn't be a rapid move down through the age categories in relation to boosters? First of all, one thing to say, I think, in overall terms in Ireland, something we have really done well is we have made the decision on vaccination and when to vaccinate and including boosters based on evidence. And I think the success of that has been borne out in the phenomenal response we've had to the vaccination programme in Ireland to date. And I think that continues to be the case. So the reason why we need boosters is that we do know now that the protection from um, vaccines does wane um, over time after the administration of the first two doses and that a booster is needed. That begins to happen around three to four months. It's by no means a cliff edge and, mm. and a stark fall. It is a gradual process. But the important thing to remember as well is that for all age groups, in general, the protection from severe disease and hospitalisation is maintained, but it is the protection from infection Fraction, and mild reflection that's waning. We know older people are at more risk of this, and particularly those um, from the ages of 50 and upwards and those with underlying health conditions. So very much so, you can see that our prioritisation and the approach that we have opted to take reflects that. Just a final question about vaccinating children. We're expecting to see that get underway in earnest, the 5 to 11-year-olds in the new year. What do we know about applying the vaccines, delivering the vaccines to those very young children? What did the studies tell us about adverse reactions? Um, Where can parents go to get information about this when they're trying to make that decision? Okay, well, in relation to the approval for use of this vaccine in our younger children, the the 5 to 11-year-olds, that has come on the basis of specific clinical trials that were conducted in children. Those clinical trials have shown us that in terms of, first of all, the safety, 
profile of the vaccines in that age group based on the trials that is consistent with what has been seen in older populations. It is also telling us that the immune response, the antibody level, is consistent with overall um, with, with older populations as well, and that the efficacy of the vaccine is very high, that it's above 90. You have to also take into account that what we are seeing here in terms of the decision to v- offer vaccination to younger children, it is building on the clinical trials and the real-world use in adults and also the clinical trials and the real-world use in adolescents. So we're standing on a huge pool of of Mm -hmm. safety data. In overall terms at this stage, there are in excess of 7 billion vaccines administered globally. So if you put that into context, these are possibly, from a safety viewpoint, the most scrutinised vaccines that we have ever had. And in overall terms, the safety profile of those vaccines, it, it, it is very reassuring. And where can parents go to get reliable information about all of this? I think, and it is a complex choice for pay- parents in terms of facing the decision of whether or not to have healthy children vaccinated because we know they're not particularly at risk of disease. Mm. So, Brian, you're absolutely right. I think accessing trusted sources of information is absolutely key in this. So, first of all, you know, I think the important thing for all parents is to make an informed choice. So discuss this with your healthcare provider, your general practitioner, your GP. But also, I have to say, the HSE throughout the vaccination campaign and as we've come to vaccinate each cohort have really produced excellent and high quality information and that will be available on the HSE's website. And we can also see that our leading paediatricians in the country are also coming out to endorse the NIAC uh, recommendation and the government decision in terms of offering vaccination to this cohort as well. Dr Lorraine Nolan, Chief Executive of the Health Products Regulatory Authority. Thanks for talking to us here on the programme.